Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to come into your house. We want to thank you for this opportunity to worship you. Lord, we thank you for giving us all that you have given us. Lord, we come now and we lay our hearts before you. We lift our hearts up to you. We ask, Father, that you would be pleased with our worship, that you would be pleased with this time together. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's scripture reading is found in the Gospel of Luke. If you would grab a Bible and join me, or if you want to look at it on the screen. Today is the second week of Lent. We are in a countdown heading for Resurrection Sunday. Uh, This series that we're doing is, uh, Pastor Dan chose, uh, the paths leading to Calvary. Last week we saw the path of service. If you remember, uh, the sons of Zebedee and their mom came to Jesus and ended up getting a lesson on service and who is great in the kingdom of heaven. Today we're going to look at the path of salvation and we're going to look at uh, Zacchaeus. Now for the children who are here, I think of Lou and I saw some of the girls, yeah, um, they are studying the Gospels in Children's Church. So kids, this story is told uh, by Luke, and it's in chapter 19. You're going to recognize it, the older folks, uh, Zacchaeus. When you hear that name, do you hear that song, was a wee little man and a wee little man was he? Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. They're leaving. Pastor Dan has a podium thing here that... uh, Boy, I don't know how he does it. It's leaning like. Different strokes for different folks. Probably by now you've closed your Bibles. Uh, Today's going to be different. Uh, 
In the past, uh, if you remember a year ago, I passed out little wooden pencils and we did an exercise on uh, working through the scriptures with marking different things that stand out to you. Uh, Today is different in that you'll not see a whole lot in the way of slides. Um, I like slides, they help you follow along, but um, being uh, new to the system and all that goes on, it's kind of... A little bit tricky. Pastor Dan and Amy are down in Texas. If you have not heard, they are the proud grandparents of a new granddaughter. Uh, So I get the pleasure and the privilege of being before you today. I'd like to thank you for that. Um, Pastor Dan put us on this path. We're going through Lent. Um, I get the path of salvation. Uh, I will be right up front telling you of all the paths that are coming, I think I got the best one. Um, I like the path of salvation. Um, What I want you to realize is that as we are just uh, probably four weeks away now from Resurrection Sunday, maybe five weeks, um, we are in the final weeks of Jesus' life. So as you see these people interacting with Jesus, today it's Zacchaeus, uh, his death is not far away. And so they're running out of time. Um, Jesus told his disciples that he came on this mission to seek and save that which was lost, and he is soon going to complete that. We're going to see today that Zacchaeus was one of those lost ones that he saved. We read in chapter 19, but what I'd like to give you for background, first of all, I need you to turn in your Bibles to chapter 18, because what we're going to do is, last week there was four main players in a story, I'm going to introduce you to two more players. So if you would grab a Bible, you'll not be able to follow the screen now, so please grab a Bible. We're going to look at Luke chapter 18, and I'm going to introduce you to this rich ruler. Now this is as Jesus approached Jericho. A certain ruler, I'm reading from chapter 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So that's the first person I'd like to introduce in today's collection of players. The second one is if you skip down in chapter 18 to verse 35. Again, we're still outside Jericho. Jesus, as he approaches it, in verse 35 we read, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. 
When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Now notice in right at the next verse, Jesus enters Jericho and passing by, and we go right into Zacchaeus. Now what I'd like to do today is I'd like to take these three men, Zacchaeus being the last man, but I'd like to look at them collectively. Now also, being that there's not a whole lot of slides up here, you will have to... Somewhere I lost my connect card. There we go. I noticed in our announcement section, no one mentioned the... We forgot that. So, everybody got a connect card? On the back is your guide to our three points that I'm going to be covering today. So, while you have that out, turn it over, put your name on it. When the collection plate comes through, you can send it in. Now, the first thing we're going to start with, on this path to salvation, as I was reflecting on these men's lives, it occurred to me that uh, it starts this path of salvation by recognizing that there's a need. As Jesus was meeting with people in the three years of his ministry here on earth, he met people from all backgrounds. There was social, economic, political, there was men and women, there was rich and poor, those in sickness and those in health. Almost sounds like wedding vows. He met them at all stages of life. And in this Jericho region in today's passages, uh, two of these three men were rich. Now, the thing about being rich, there's a lot of mistaken thoughts about richness, being wealthy. People assume in our day, if you're rich, if you have lots of money, well, then you don't have any problems. Tell me if that ain't a common thought. Brian's shaking his head, no, it's, it's not that way. Yeah, it's not that way. But somehow, we still think that. For those of you who are working, if I could just make a little more, if I got a raise, boy, life would be a whole lot better. And then we get a raise or we get more money and we find that life is still the same. Now, for the Jews... They had this view of richness that God was obviously blessing that person. And if that person's blessed by God, well, they're kind of set. They didn't see that the wealth could buy people into heaven, but their wealth testified that the blessing of God was there and it would carry on through life. Yet in chapter 18 of Luke, we find this rich ruler. Notice there's two things about it. He's rich and he's a ruler. So he's a man in authority. But he's got this gnawing sense inside him that he's still falling short. He's lacking, even though he's rich. 
Now, what I would like to look at is, what actually does this man need? If he's rich, he's probably set in life. What actually is he lacking? We'll get to that in a little bit. I wonder if he's on the path to salvation. Does he realize he needs salvation? Let's jump over to Zacchaeus. He's our other wealthy man. He was also wealthy. Now, what could Jesus be for him or to him? Now, no doubt Zacchaeus had heard about Jesus because when he's coming, Zacchaeus is already looking for an opportunity to see him. But notice it's to see who he was. Who was this Jesus? Verse 3 tells us he wanted to see who Jesus was. Now, let me ask you, what does Zacchaeus need? He's a wealthy man. But I wonder about Zacchaeus. Does he need a friend? What's his thoughts for salvation? Now, what I'm doing is I'm setting up this scenario where I would like you to think about needs. What is it that you need? Not what you want, but what you need. What do you actually need? Let's look at the blind beggar for a moment. He's at a different place in life. Obviously, he's not wealthy. It would probably be safe to assume he's dirt poor. And as I look at this man who is blind, he's not whole. How many of us are broken? And our brokenness, like this man, really sets him back in life. Our brokenness sets us back in life. Now, if I ask you, what does this blind man need? It's kind of obvious. <laughs> he would like to see. But I think you'll find that he's aware of something even more that's needed. Now, what I find fascinating here is we have the rich rule and we have Zacchaeus is extremely wealthy. Uh, there's the entire spectrum because I doubt in our room here is anybody as poor as the blind man was. He's really in a tough spot in life. Or is there anybody here in our congregation, our group, that is rich? Is anybody here filthy rich? I know some of us are doing well. But are you filthy rich? Are you in abject poverty? Those are the extremes. We're somewhere in the middle with these people. So back to us. What is it that you need? I don't think where we live that food is a problem. Being in the Great Lake region, water doesn't seem to be a problem. As I look over everyone, the clothing don't seem to be a problem. We probably weren't out in that 15-degree night that we just come through. So shelter wasn't a problem. Wow. So I think we're starting to slide over to the rich side of things. But if I were to sit and talk with each of you, I think you'll find it, it's safe to assume that we all have needs. We have different needs. But yet there's one thing common that we all need. And that brings us back to the path of salvation. 
Now, what's really cool about these, these stories that Luke writes and the Bible brings to us, um, not only do we have this need, God shows us how these needs can be met, even salvation. When it comes to getting on the path of salvation, it starts by recognizing that there's a need. If you don't look at salvation with the thought of, I need this, you probably won't be looking very hard for it. So that's the first step we'll take. Let me point out, and you probably already know this, that the rich, for them, wealth does not help them in the area of need. Because often people that are wealthy are chasing other things and they don't see that they need anything. If you remember, Jesus shared a parable with the his disciples about a man who had really good crops and he sat back on his laurels I don't need anything if anything I'll maybe I'll build a bigger barn for all my stuff and God comes to him that night and says you fool your life is required of you and I think at that point he could realize how much he needed eternal things now as we talk about needs what I find cool with these three men coming to Jesus is they took the right path. They went to Jesus with their questions. And we're going to look at that now. Um, the Bible tells us on the path to salvation that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John chapter 14, verse 6. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there's no other name given amongst men by which you must be saved. So this path that we're going to look at now is Jesus. Jesus meets our needs right where we are. And right when we bring our needs to him, he takes care of those needs. Now, you're probably aware of this too. When we approach Jesus, these paths are not the same. We see the rich men and the blind man. They come at different ways to Jesus. So what I want you to be clear is the path to Jesus is not equal. They're approaching from different views, if you would. Uh, here, let me say it this way. Life is not fair. They're not on the same path. Now, when they get to Jesus, you've heard the foot at the cross, at the ground is level. Yeah, there the paths will converge and at Jesus uh, things are the same. Let's look at that rich ruler, first of all. Notice when he approaches Jesus, he walks, literally, he walks right up to Jesus. He presents his question. No one gives it a thought. They don't push him away. They don't look down on him. He can walk right up to Jesus. By all indications, if you look close at the wording there, when he asks his question about eternal life, Jesus points him to Moses and the law. What does the law say? By all indications, this man was a righteous, law-abiding citizen. He was religious. Notice there in the exchange, he is obedient to the law of Moses. If we were to see this man in our society, he's a good guy. He's not a bad guy. But he's finding out, he personally is seeing that, okay, I'm doing all this stuff, 
but I'm still missing something. So he comes to Jesus. Notice in here, all this good stuff he's doing, he's finding out for himself that salvation doesn't come by good works. He didn't seem to have the social problems the other two guys have. Let's look at Zacchaeus for a moment. Though he's rich, he's a hated man. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. Now I say nobody. Obviously, he must have some tax collector friends because they kind of held tight together being thieves. They were despised and rejected by the people. That sounds almost like Christ. Maybe that's why he hung out with them. But I want you to think about Zacchaeus for a little bit and put him into our neighborhood. First of all, he's a tax collector. They are not into paying taxes. Even back then, nobody liked taxes. How many here like taxes? (laughs) It's easy to, to joke about taxes, but actually when the rubber meets the road on taxes... We don't like taxes. I can't stand taxes. I hate taxes. And it gets worse when I see what they do with the taxes. It's bad enough when they collect them, but then when they waste them, when they squander them, when they misuse them, when they abuse the tax money, then it just makes it doubly bad. In their day, the Roman government was really pulling in the money. The land where Jesus lived, around Jerusalem, Palestine, that area, they were the conquered peoples. They were taxed by Rome. So Rome's building all these coliseums and their cities and their roads and they're doing all this big stuff and they're taxing the little guys, which is the Jewish people. To make it worse, the tax collector worked for Rome. He was a Jew. So Zacchaeus, he was contracted out. They actually paid money to Rome to get their little districts so they could get more taxes. Now, they raised those taxes for themselves. So it's bad enough that they're collecting for Rome, the hated enemy of the Jews, but now he's collecting for himself. So think of your tax collector. You go down to pay the bill, and he just jacks it up, and you've got to pay more, and you know darn well it's going to him. Arr. So it, may, it makes the tax collectors rich, and Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. But notice it's pitting him against his own people. They are not his friends. I mean, your friends don't take from you. And so when they're ranting and raving about the taxes, they're also ranting and raving, Zacchaeus, a dirty bugger, and those like him. Now, if you're Zacchaeus, he could truthfully say, It's kind of lonely at the top. Yeah, it's great having all this money, but he's seeing the need that, wow, I'm sure he don't have a boatload of friends. And I'm sure when he walks the streets, they really don't buddy up to him. Let's look at the blind man for a moment. He don't have all this money problem. He don't have the hatred Zacchaeus has. But I wonder about the people as they're viewing him on a society level. Notice when he wants to see Jesus, he hears the crowd coming. Notice the response of the crowd. Verse 39. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Here you have this poor blind guy and the crowd is pushing him off to the side. 
Now, if life wasn't hard enough, to me it would be depressingly hard. I wonder if they don't see him, he's not a contributing member to society, he's a drag on society. John chapter 9, there's a blind man, and they ask, who sinned? Was it this man's parents or him? I mean, what's this sinner's problem? Why did God make him that way? Obviously, he's under the thumb of God. And so the blind man has to deal with that as well. Now, in all three of these men, notice that when Jesus is involved, they go, Jesus goes right to the heart of the problem. I would point you toward verse 18 of chapter 18, where the ruler asks, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice he's on this, there's something I can do. And Jesus meets him there. Yeah, I got something for you to do. Let me turn it around. Follow me. That's the main point of it. He tells him to sell his things a lot of people focus on that. Wow, if I got to follow Jesus, I got to do all that. This is for this man, not necessarily for us. What we're told to do is we're told to follow Jesus. So the basic thrust of Jesus' message to this rich man is not sell all your possessions. The thrust of his reply to this man is I want your undivided loyalty, I want your obedience. I want you. And for me to have you, you're going to have to sell all your stuff. And we know what the response was there. Notice we jump up to verse 41 in chapter 18 where he looks at the, uh, the blind man. Jesus invites the blind man to come before him. What do you want me to do for you? Okay. Here we have the blind man. What do you want me to do for you? Look at the request. Oh my goodness. Here you have this adult blind man. He's asking for sight. Do you realize what it would take for someone to give you sight? So I see this guy with massive problems with his eyes, and yet in his heart, he has great faith. Now catch this part. He could see in Jesus what others couldn't see though he's blind. That's what's so cool about the scriptures. He can see, but he can't. The guys that can see, can't. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. And he nails it right on the spot. Now, what I find is awesome. Verse 43 tells us, immediately he receives his sight, and he follows Jesus. That very thing the other guy was just asked to do. And he's praising God. We'll get to that in a little bit. Okay, so let's go to the other blind man. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Now, he's in a blind in a different spot. He's down like this. He's having a hard time seeing everybody. And somewhere out in the crowd, there's Jesus, but being a short man, he can't see isn't that interesting how these guys in the background lead up to Zacchaeus, who's wealthy, like the first man, but he's kind of blind, like the other man, but yet he's not, because he truly can see. He can see enough, he climbs a sycamore fig tree. As I look at this 
interaction between Zacchaeus chapter 19. It's interesting, he climbs up to see Jesus, but when Jesus comes under the tree, he looks up at Zacchaeus. And Jesus takes the initiative. What I'd like to build for you is, who took the first move? Was it Zacchaeus because he climbed up and did that thing high in a tree to see Jesus? Would you count that as the first move in their relationship? Or would you count it that Jesus stands under Zacchaeus, calls him by name, and says, I got to come to your house today. Who took the first move? Because actually, when we're on a path to salvation, we're faced with that very thing. Did Jesus choose us, or do we choose Jesus? Some people said, well, when I realized who Jesus was, I, I came to him. Jesus tells his disciples, I chose you. You did not choose me. I chose you. I find it interesting that Zacchaeus just goes up the tree for a quick look as Jesus is passing by. But Jesus then takes that one step further. Not only calls him by name, but then ends up at his house. Let's bring it to you and I. Who moves first, us or Jesus? Because I like to think when we're looking at needs, that God brings us to the point in our life where we recognize we have a need. God brings us to the point in life where we come to Jesus. And what you'll find is in the background, God's been working all along, and he brings us to Jesus. We didn't choose him. Now on your Connect card, it says, what will I do in response? So our third point here is our actions show where we are on the path to salvation. Our actions show where we are on the path to salvation. So what comes down to it is, what's the response? And these three men give us a really good uh, look at different responses. The rich man's response was, he couldn't give up what he had to gain something of immense value. He couldn't get past his riches. And we're told that he went away sad. Yeah, how sad. This man literally had the path of salvation right in front of him. Jesus is giving him the invitation personally, right here. Let's, let's go, you and I. And, and it's too much. And Jesus comments, how hard it is for the rich. So if you count yourself rich, which many of us are, our riches actually make it harder to come to Jesus. Let's look at the blind man. The blind man... He follows Jesus without hesitation. I think that is so cool. He don't go to his family. He don't go to anywhere else. He just takes off. Did you catch the part? I think he becomes a worship leader because he's praising God. And right behind him, verse 43 tells us all the people saw it and they too praise God. So I think he becomes a praise and worship team leader. Now, we saw that one follows Jesus, one turns away from following Jesus. How about Zacchaeus? Did you notice in there, the word follow, it's not part of the discussion. Zacchaeus, it doesn't, Luke doesn't tell us that Zacchaeus followed Jesus. He doesn't say that. But notice, 
if I ask everybody here, does Zacchaeus become a follower of Jesus? Everybody say, oh yeah. Why? Because his actions show his heart. In this part of the, the message, to me this is one of the important points. People often say many things. In other words, talk is cheap. You want to know what a person believes or where their heart really is. Look at their actions. Look at their response. Because when we look at Zacchaeus, oh my, he leaves no doubt where he's at on this path to salvation. Verse 6, he comes down out of the tree at once and notice he welcomed him gladly. So he's already in touch with Jesus at a heart level. Not only do we see that he's excited to go with Jesus. Uh, chapter 19, verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. Okay. If that wasn't enough, I'll go to anybody I've cheated and I'll pay back four times the amount. So we see restitution. Zacchaeus has a changed heart. He's doing exactly what the other guy has a very hard time doing. And that's giving up his riches. So Jesus sees this change of heart and he tells us in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. There he is a follower. This man too is the son of Abraham. The son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. So what I like about the scriptures, uh, first of all, today's message had Jesus, my hero in it. He always says the right thing, always does the right thing. He's spot on which is cool. Uh, I look at our world around us and it's disappointing. Our heroes often fall. Our heroes have feet of clay. Our heroes actually are just like us. But Jesus is in a different category. Not only does he set these men on the path to salvation, he shows them which way and how to, how to go about it. Uh, he just graciously leaves it to them. The ball is in their court. And that's where we are with us. First of all, I'd like you to look at your needs. What needs do you have? Especially, have you thought about salvation? And if you have, have you come to Christ? He's the only way. We see this uh, rich young ruler, uh, he chose to sadly go his way. Okay, that's before us as well. The decision is ours. question I'll leave you with is, what will you do with Jesus? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, please talk to me afterwards, talk to a person in the pew, talk to a friend. Don't let it slide by. Because not talking is also a decision as well. We're going to close, Mark. Uh, we're all done. Um, I'd like you to think about those needs that you have before you. And please don't let the one to salvation just slide by. Thank you.